Well, let's see, what can we have for supper? How about if we have cucumber soup and maybe some cucumber bread and maybe some fried cucumbers with cucumber crumble for dessert? Welcome to Longleaf Breeze, subsistence farmers using three simple principles, approaching but never reaching subsistence. It's got to be fun while we're doing it, and we don't make all misstatements. And now, Lee and Amanda Borden. Thanks, Adrian, and welcome to our podcast of July 25, 2013. You're going to hear a little more from Lee and a lot less from Amanda today. Uh, Amanda's voice is very weak. She's just now getting a little voice back today, and um, so we're trying to baby her voice, trying to save it so that she can get her voice back as quickly as possible. But she's here. I'm glad to be here. Thank you. I um, had a cold or something over the weekend that very quickly morphed into um, a raging case of laryngitis. So as you said, the past two days, I couldn't talk at all. Just glad to be voicing something. That's right. Well, I, I have been uh, listening to your very faint whispers and trying to discern what I was supposed to do based on them. So it's great to have a little bit of voice from you now. Uh, we're talking today uh, in what we think is probably going to be a shorter podcast about the cucumbers that we have this year, and they have been prolific. They're everywhere. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about what we planted originally? Okay, I planted only two different types. I planted straight eights and That's I planted straight, straight eights. eights, right. My voice comes and goes. I do the best I can. <clears throat> and punakira, uh, which is an Indian cucumber, and it's a, one of my go-to varieties every year. Um, and the thing we love about punakira is that we do not need to peel them. Right, it has a... If you catch them early, that's the proviso. If you can harvest a punakira when it's a small whitish uh, cucumber, they're tender. the The skin is thin and easily, you know, palatable, I guess. Um, but but they can also grow to be larger and develop a yellow to even an orange, thicker skin. And those are the ones I would. I'd say they're a little bit over the hill, and definitely I would peel those. But I did use some of those to make pickles. We'll talk about that later. Um, so I planted those two varieties um, in with the corn with the idea that <clears throat> they could climb the corn. They were in a bed together. And uh, those of you who have listened to previous podcasts have heard us complaining about voles this past year. Well, many of the cucumber plants and all but four stalks of corn uh, were victims of the voles. So um, I feared we might not have any cucumber plants. When I, As soon as a seedling would emerge, I would see the little <clears throat> hole in the ground where it used to be the next day after the vole had been there. But enough of those were left, apparently. To, and then as they got larger, they became less attractive and less vulnerable to the voles. Um, so that we actually, as you said, have a prolific... Or, or our our cucumber, um, the remaining output, right. cucumbers. The remaining have, cucumbers have been prolific. That's right. And they are stacked up everywhere, inside, outside. I say they are. They were, 
because you have gone through and yesterday you did a great deal of preparation so that we could make dill pickles. Right. I we we ended up um well, I cut them into spears to just and just used one of the um pre-mixed um dill pickle spicing spicy mixtures that one can purchase at a grocery store. And um so I made we made 10 and a half quarts. And it worked out well. <clears throat> However, I ran to town, ended up staying in town longer than I expected to for a variety of reasons. And as a result, it was late in the afternoon before we started and well into the night before we finished those pickles and actually pulled them from the canner. But they look great. And, we did water bath canning. We yeah. might want to just talk a little bit about the yeah, process. With, uh, p- dill pickles, of course, they are highly acidic, so there's no need to do pressure canning with them. We did water bath, and um, later today I will label them and store them in the root cellar. Right. We um, For those of you who are complete novices, and there may not be any novices out there, but someone who has not made anything pickled, be it a you know, cucumber or an okra or any of that. Um, the main two ingredients are vinegar and water that you put in there. And there would be some pickling salt if you were to make your own recipe from scratch. But these premixes come with plenty of salt. Plenty of and salt. And other spices. In fact, the last time I used one of these premixes, you complained that uh, you thought the, the mix part, the spice part, was a little too strong. So I did an experiment yesterday. I actually diluted it in the sense that I added the right proportions of vinegar and water, which are basically, you know, a cup of vinegar to two cups of water, and then just added a little bit more of that as opposed to the... Added more vinegar and water. Right, than the the recipe called for, um, for that amount of spiciness. I've never been a big dill pickle fan. I would love for us to make sweet pickles, but you're not interested in making sweet pickles. Don't say that. I'm open to that. I really am. Okay. Well, good. The interesting thing about all of this is with all those cucumbers that you were cutting up and so forth, there seemingly are a good many more cucumbers out there still ready to deliver. That's right. Yes, we, we'll probably have one at least one more canning day, as well as I'm looking into possibly um, experimenting with um, doing some uh, refrigerator-type pickles that you don't really... there. You don't have to can them. You don't have to, you know, do anything to take precautions about, like, boiling your lids and that kind of thing. However, um, they, they go in the refrigerator. Yeah, they don't keep as long. Yeah. Okay. Now, one problem we have with the cucumbers here in the latter part of the season is you you had some that went down really fast yeah. on you the other yeah. day. Yeah, I, I went out. It was literally one of those overnight, the whole north half of the bed where the, the cucumbers had been, you know, sprawling and, and coming out, because our beds are 16 feet long, and I would say it really literally almost was the front half or, you know, a third anyway, um, the top, the north half, all of a sudden just dead, white, you know, lifeless. And my theory is it's some sort of a vine borer. Uh, that certainly has the look of vine borer damage. I didn't um, take time to... In fact, we've had a lot of rain, and I've been sick, so I have not spent as much time out there in my vegetable garden as I normally would, but um, 
when I do pull those, I'll try to try to look at the stem more closely to see what's going on. But um, vine borers, usually I've had more problems with them with squash. But now that I don't have squash out there this summer, they may be attacking whatever cucurbits they can get their little grubby selves into. into. So anyway, half of it's gone, but we still have lots of cucumbers. And as you said, the promise of more to come. Now, I am going to put the canner up probably later today, but it won't stay up for long because we have uh, what looks like a promising crop of muscadines. And when we have a good many muscadines, that leads us naturally to thoughts of muscadine jam. That will be so good. I really, I hope we can, um, we'll have to do some research about this, find a way to um, make our food preparation a little um, easier for ourselves. Because the last time we've made muscadine jam, we sat and cut those things open by hand and extracted the seeds and it was pretty tedious. It was tedious. I'm, I'm hopeful that with the larger size that the berries are going to be this time, that it won't be quite so tedious to cut them open and remove the seeds. If we start talking about straining them, for example, which is what a lot of people do, that works okay, but all you end up with is juice. You don't have that good muscadine flesh. And you do end up, if you make muscadine jam, and I'm sure we'll talk about this more when when, when you do it, uh, part of what makes them flavorful to me and nutritious, I'm sure, is to integrate the flesh into the mixture. Exactly. And the other option, which some people do, is to run the whole berry through a grinder and the seeds get ground up with everything else. That's a possibility, but we're not sure that we have the wherewithal or the commitment to do that. Well, and the other question, does that affect the taste? Exactly. Would it make the jam bitter? And we don't know the answer to that. But we'll find out. Whatever we do, we will probably not be adding sugar. We'll probably be um, just having, it'll just be the muscadines. That's, uh, what, that's what we've done with strawberries so far and seems to be working well. So that's probably what we'll do with the muscadines as well. So thus ends our truncated uh, podcast for today. We hope that you understand we don't want to overtax Amanda's voice and um, don't want to bore you with mine. So you have a great week, and we'll look forward to visiting with you next week when we hope both of us will be in full voice. You've been listening to Longleaf Breeze with Lee and Amanda Borden. You can call the farm at 334-625-8682. Send email to letters at longleafbreeze.com. Our address is P.O. Box 780-446, Tallahassee, Alabama, 36078. Visit us at longleafbreeze.com to learn more about the farm, to browse our archive, and to look over our planting database. You can also read the daily farm log and check in with Lee and Amanda. That's longleafbreeze.com.